Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to the 3-0 Show on The Athletic. And today, we've got a great show. We're going to be doing the NL Central. And we've got Britt Giroli back. Congratulations, Britt, and, and welcome back. And we've got Katie Wu, uh, who has helped us all along uh, through your absence and also is happens to be an expert on the NL Central. Sees a lot of NL Central games. So this is going to be a great episode. How are you guys doing today? How is, well, how is your, your time off, Britt? It wasn't oh, time off. I- uh, yeah, you know, anyone who's been through maternity leave knows is it's like the most stressful, boring, wild, anxiety-ridden, exhilarating time of your life. So um, happy to be back talking baseball. And uh, yeah, hopefully we don't hear any babies cry in the background. But if we do, we can blame my husband. And Katie, where's the cat? What's the cat's name? We just had we had to run it all over you for a second. <laughs> yes. No. This is the the glamour that is beat writing, um, traveling. This is like my fifth week not at home um, in Miami covering the World Baseball Classic. But I'm not going to leave my pride and joy, my four legged angel, for five weeks. So she's actually she actually did four weeks of spring training with me in Jupiter. Wow. And she's now in Miami, and because she doesn't know how to act right now because I have the camera on, she is in the bathroom. But it's a pretty spacious bathroom, and hopefully she'll be okay for the next hour. And what does we'll she think of hotels? She, she's so honestly, she's so used to it. I think she just likes going somewhere new. You take her on the road? I will say, no, not all the time. Just spring training. I did have okay. to tie the curtains up though because she likes to think those are toys, and I don't have the budget to fix those, and neither does the athletics. So, curtains are tied up. That's fine. <laughs> my cat is in a feud with my dogs, and uh, I don't know it's going to end anytime soon. Also, my cat could eat my dogs. So it's an interesting thing to have small dogs and a very large cat. Anyway, back to the NL Central. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, up first, we're doing this alphabetically uh, by team name. Or it's something random, but it ends up with the Brewers being first. And uh, it's really kind of a shame the DVR is on paternity leave uh, because this is his uh, not-so-secret uh, home team of, of choice. Uh, but the Brewers this year, I think, are, are going to have a great team. But it's the same question that we kind of have every year. And for me, the question is, is there enough offense? So, Brett, do you think there's enough offense in Milwaukee in this lineup to get them to the top of this division this year? Probably not. Um, you know, I think when you look, if you're going to go spot by spot with St. Louis and then, for example, you're going to take St. Louis pretty much every time. Now, St. Louis has issues we're going to get to later, most notably like they're starting pitching. But when we look at the Brewers, the big question is that offense. And the bigger question, guys, is Christian Yelich. Like, are we going to see the Yelich of 2018? Because if so, then I believe the Brewers have a chance. If not, 
I'm going to put them in second place by quite a big margin. I mean, this is a very weird division and that it's kind of the Cardinals and everybody else, it feels like. And the Brewers, to me, are maybe that solid wild card pick. I think they still have a bunch of hitters in that lineup, but they just don't have anybody that strikes real fear into your hearts. Wilson Contreras is a nice pickup. Um, they made some marginal moves, but they're still, to me, kind of that league average at best lineup. And I just don't think that they have enough firepower. Yes, they have a good rotation. We know about Corbin Burns. We know about Brandon Woodruff. We know that they can pitch. But the, let's not forget that the bullpen has considerable less depth than we've seen over the years. I'm probably already skipping ahead two or three questions here. But to me, I just don't think the offense, which has been the problem, as you mentioned, you know, the last couple of mm-hmm. years, I just don't think the front office has gone out and devoted enough resources towards fixing that lineup. I think we kind of need to say this may be who Christian Yelich is, right? He may not be this power hitting outfielder. This may be him. And if so, I just don't think they did enough to catch the Cardinals at all. Yeah. No, the, the, the weird thing for me about Yelich is that he still hits the ball hard and uh, you know, he still has good plate discipline. He still does a lot of things right, but he just hits so many balls on the ground. It's the, it's the kind of the thing that people said about him in Miami and uh, he's kind of returned to those days. So I can't imagine that uh, he would hit 30 plus homers, but you know, over time, the, the, the offense, I, 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 would you be surprised if I told you it was the 11th best offense by WRC plus that it was uh, an above average offense last year? Uh, Katie, what, what do you think of this offense? Uh, you know, do, do you think that addition of William Contreras and Rowdy Telez and that, that, that sort of over time they can build uh, a good enough offense, or do you think it's still lacking in a couple of places? You know, I think when I'm, I pull up their, their projected starting lineup on fan graphs right now, we've talked about Yelich and like we talk about the Brewers every year, is their offense enough? We also talk about Yelich every year. Is, is he going to be similar to what we saw? I don't, I don't even want to say his MVP caliber form, but something that is maybe even a little less than that. I think the Brewers would gladly take. But I'm looking at their two through five hitters. Willie Adamas, I think, is relatively underrated uh, in terms of a national scale. I like their three, four, five, and Rowdy Telez, Blaine Contreras, and Jesse Winker. But other after that, it really tapers off for me. I think Luis Arias is a scrappy player. I don't know necessarily if he packs that offensive power or punch. But when you're looking at the Brewers offensively compared to the Cardinals lineup, I just think the Cardinals lineup blows them out of the water. And this is, again, another two-team division. I don't want to discredit what the Cubs have done. We'll get to them, I'm sure. But when you're looking at who's going to win the division, it it kind of baffles me that it seems to be so close. I think from a lineup perspective, an offense perspective, the Cardinals really blow the Brewers out of the water here. Yeah, it is interesting. The, the projected standings here you know, uh, on fan graphs uh, say that the uh, Brewers will win 84 games and the Cardinals 86 and say – uh, you know, it'll be it'll be a tough division, just like you're saying. Um, I really want to pick the Brewers because uh, I think that this offense is beginning better. I think with Willie Adamas was really good. I thought the William Contreras deal was really good. I think they make really smart, you know, like picking up Winker for, for very little was, I think, also really good. I like a lot of the decisions they make, but I I kind of agree with you guys. I mean, we're looking at... You know, Garrett Mitchell, uh, Tyron Taylor, or Brian Anderson, uh, Luis Urias at the bottom of this uh, this lineup. And if if it isn't going to be a lineup that has an MVP type person in it, then those three need to all be above average. It needs to be the kind of lineup where everyone's above average. And I'm 
I'm not sure that's going to happen. And then on the uh, on the pitching side, yes, they've still got Burns, they've still got Woodruff. Uh, Freddie Peralta could could come back and be great this year, but I don't see the same depth that you know they've kind of had in the past. And you know, Andy is it not Andy? It's Aaron Ashby. Which Ashby is it? A- Andy is this like father. He's Aaron. Anyway, Ashby is hurt, and uh, <laughs> uh, it's Aaron. And that's right. Hauser Hauser, I believe, was hurt and is like sort of in between being. Uh, yes, he had a groin. Uh, it's good. Better to have a groin than not. But uh, uh, he is going to uh, be somewhere in between a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher, uh, partially because he has no more options left. So they're going to be playing this game with him. Ashby's hurt. The back of the bullpen, I don't think, is good as it used to be. I like Jake Cousins, but then, you know, it's and, and Matt Bush. But then, you know, Devin Williams throws this crazy. The airbender is, I think, a thing that might hurt his hurt him you know he gets hurt a lot and it's if you just do that with your hand you just take it and go like that ow ow everything hurts when i do that and that's kind of how he gets the movement on the airbender so i i i you know if they if the cardinals stumble i think that's the real thing the brewers i think will be a solid team that'll be above 500 high 80s but they're gonna need something to happen with the cardinals i think to to kind of go any further yeah so and- yeah, the bull. Well, the bullpen's a great point because keep in mind they were like flying last year. Then the front office trades Josh Hader to San Diego, and all of a sudden they go belly up, right? So I think they're not as deep as they've been in years past in that bullpen. I mean, if you're not gonna have this great offense that's gonna compete with the Cardinals, I totally agree with everything Katie said in going head to head. You know, looking at those slots, then you better have like a ridiculous bullpen, right? So you can win these games one to nothing, two to one. Uh, but they just don't have that depth, I feel like, that you know the Brewers traditionally have had. So I just don't see how, unless the Cardinals have a rash of injuries, which, you know, not something that's totally out of the realm because they have had a lot of trouble with some of their bigger stars staying healthy. But I don't see how the Brewers on paper right now overcome the Cardinals. I think they win the division if everything is equal by five, six games. One thing that sticks out for me is I think the league has maybe caught up to some of their pitching uh, aspects. They really were able to kind of identify relievers and back-end starters that they could really do well on. Um, And they've gotten a lot more out of Eric Lauer than I thought any team would. But at the same time, like their big pickup this year is Wade Miley. Um, He just seems like a, you know, decent backup acquisition. So like a sort of back-end acquisition. So I don't think... I think the league is sort of caught up to them on a little bit when it comes to pitching. And then they just haven't had developed a hitter, you know, like we're waiting for them to develop a hitter. Bryce Turang, if he could, uh, you know, develop some power would be a great addition to this team. If if Garrett Mitchell continues to get the ball off the ground and maybe make a little bit more contact, he could be good. Uh, Tyrone Taylor got hurt and was maybe one of the best hitters they've developed recently. So, you know, if you look at this team, like all of their best hitters came from other organizations. And, uh, you know, yes, they've developed some talent to go be able to go get those in trades. But at the same time, I'm still waiting on them to develop their own hitters, which is weird because that park is 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 like hopeful, helpful to hitters. You know, it's not it's not like saying Oakland can't develop their own hitters. So, um you know, I think I think that I think you guys are right about uh, the the Brewers. They need a Cardinal stumble. So, 
will the Cardinals stumble? You know, the Cardinals are next up on our on our list. Oh, oh, and and it's just a fate that you get thrown that question first, Katie. Oh, <laughs> will wow. the Cardinals well... stumble? No, I'm sure this is a, this answer will make you super popular in the clubhouse. I think I think you should go real negative on this one. Yeah, let's see. I already, I already bailed on them the last week to do WBC stuff, so I'm going to show right. up like I own the place for opening day. Um, no, you know, this is – I understand the NL Central is not the most competitive division, but I think that they're – and I know this is going to get the eye rolls of about 29 other fan bases, so please bear with me. <laughs> I think the Cardinals are coming in a little bit underrated. Um, I do agree that the Brewers are probably a playoff team. I still don't think they're going to win the division, but the Cardinals, when you look at their lineup and you look at if everyone is healthy, their two through six hitters are Tyler O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnato, Wilson Contreras, and either Lars Newbar or Jordan Walker, potentially. Mm-hmm. And that's a really meaty, harder lineup. Um, and we can, I, I think the Cardinals are in a really good spot for the first time in a while in terms of finding continuous power. They've done a great job in developing talent. I mean, what we'll, I'm sure we'll get to Jordan Walker and the case that he's making to make the opening day roster. But I think if the Cardinals do stumble at all, it's going to come from starting pitching. And I know that's not exactly a groundbreaking kind of idea here, but you look at their rotation and there's, there's no denying the Cardinals are banking a lot on Jack Flaherty again. And that's something that you're comfortable doing in 2022 or 2020 and even 2021. And in 2021, he really lived up to that before that freak oblique injury. And he's just never been the same since. This is a walk year for Jack Flaherty. He's in his final year before he's eligible for free agency. He is the guy, if you're going to look at that five, that, those five guys, and him, Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, Jordan Montgomery, and Steven Matz, that could be that ace. However, there's a lot of maybe question marks after him as well. You want to see if Jordan Montgomery, the guy that they got, they pledged $10 million towards an arbitration this year, can pick up. I mean, he really kind of saved their season in the second half. Miles Michaelis, one of the most consistent pitchers in the National League last year. There doesn't seem to be too much worry about him. He didn't miss a start last year despite coming off back-to-back injury years. Steven Matz looked good in 2022 when he was able to take the ball. It's just a matter of if he was able to take the ball and staying healthy. And then, you know, there's Adam Wainwright back for a final year. Velocity hasn't looked great in his opening spring. And to me, that's that's kind of the main concern for the rotation there. So the Cardinals have a lot going for them in terms of depth. For the first time in a while, it seems like they have considerable favorable options if something does go wrong with their projected starters. But it's a long season, and they cannot afford to have guys like Goldschmidt, Arenado, Contreras, O'Neill, and Flaherty underperform. Yeah, I mean, Katie, I mean, what am I going to say that the beat writer for the Cardinals didn't hit on, right? Um, Basically, I think she's right. The lineup is stacked. There's no comparing them to anyone else in the division. But if we look beyond this now, and she hit the nail on the head with the starting rotation, that to me, I mean, a rotation that's still relying heavily on a 41-year-old Adam Wainwright is a rotation that kind of has some weaknesses, right? I mean, you look at that rotation, who strikes fear into the hearts of the opponents? Let's say they get to the postseason and they play the Mets. Who's lining up with Verlander and Scherzer, right? Like, I think... You know, the best case scenario, the Cardinals go into the trade deadline and add a starter because I agree. I think they're probably going to run away with this division as long as they stay healthy because their lineup is just full of above average guys at pretty much every position, it seems like. Uh, I think they're going to score a lot of runs, but this rotation is just okay. You know, the lineup's going to have to cover for, I think, a lot of the pitching woes. And I think they can do it. I think they're equipped to do it. Um, I don't know if I think the Cardinals are underrated, Katie, um, in any facet. I don't think they're ever <laughs> underrated. I hope that's possible. Um, you know, but 
I do think this is a very solid team. This is a good team that got even better in the offseason. And, you know, that can't be said for everybody, certainly not everybody in this division. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, uh, let's say you're not sure what's going on at second. They've got Nolan Gorman, you know, if if Brendan Donovan doesn't work out. And, oh, and look, Brendan Donovan is pulling jacks right now in, in spring, too. So and seems to be have learned this uh, pull fly ball approach from the Cardinals that they were you know, number one in baseball with last year. So, um, you know, and then, you know, if you, you think they need to, a little more length of lineup, well, here Jordan Walker is just looks like maybe the top prospect in baseball. So, yeah, the lineup is great, but it's, uh, you know, there's that meme with the three dragons and it's like, you know, the Cardinals lineup, you know, I would even say the Cardinals bullpen is the other nice mean looking dragon. And then it's like Cardinal starting rotation with the googly eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're doing their best to, to, to make the most out of a low strikeout rate. And they've had good ERAs versus bad strikeout rates in the past. But I just wonder the interaction between the new shift rules and the third worst projected strikeout rate in baseball, how those two things are going to interact and, and how, and what will happen, frankly, if, if Wainwright is hurt, he's, you know, Wainwright's not even a hundred percent. Right. I mean, that's what I'm reading sort of from the velo readings who is, uh, you know, and I kind of got some pushback from you. I saw you in camp and uh, I didn't want to say it too loud, but I was like, I don't see anybody in the minors kind of stepping up or anybody that's in the depth portion of the depth chart sort of stepping up. But I think you uh, you said that you had liked a couple of the guys. You said a couple of the younger guys might be able to step forward. Was it Thompson? Who did you like that was uh, that might be able to step in if Wainwright's hurt and, and give them at least depth, if not sort of top end talent? Yeah, there's there's a couple guys there, um, but it's really going to drive this point forward. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day who asked me to name the top two pitchers in the Cardinals rotation, and I started and I was like, "Well," and he cut me off right there, and he goes, "That's a problem." Yeah, you can't yeah, name you can't even one or two. That rotation is not good enough. And I was like, mm, "Okay, point taken." And, and, and right. would you think that any of these young guys that that might come up, they don't really necessarily seem to have that. Like, they're not like top yeah. prospect in baseball. It's not like they have a Grayson Rodriguez that's like waiting and they can just like give them a little bit of time. And then, Oh, look, it's September and we have an ACE, you know, it's more like they have other guys that can be okay. Exactly. So these guys uh, in in terms of depth, aren't necessarily going to fill that one to two role either. Zach Thompson has had a really good spring, but he's going to be used as a reliever from the left side. Um, There's guys like Jake Woodford who the Cardinals didn't really use him much last year, even when they were desperate for starting pitching help because they wanted him to work on the pitch shape of his slider. And he's come back with a brand new arsenal. Velo is up. He's looked really good in their six starter role. There is hope that they can find some consistency in Dakota Hudson. You know, he's a year removed from Tommy John now um, about under a second season since that surgery. And their hope is there, you know, he's able to find more consistency and avoid the three ball counts. And then there's Matthew Libertor, a uh, prospect of theirs. They're still pretty high on same message though, finding consistency. So if there's a, a falter in this rotation, the good news is, is the Cardinals have depth in their system, which they did not. I remember in 2021, they literally had a two-man rotation, and it was very hard to watch. They were just trying to find anyone that could throw innings. But this year, it seems like if something does go down with those projected five starters, they have reliable support, but it is not one of those top-of-the-rotation arms. I don't. I wonder if they have the stomach also to trade somebody like Nolan Gorman for a top end talent, or if it's going to be more plug and play. Uh, then they had the opportunity to trade someone like Nolan Gorman for someone maybe more of ace like quality than Jordan Montgomery. Instead, they went with 
trading one year of Bader for for one year of Montgomery, sort of kicking the can down the road because it's not like they have a solution in place that's for next year. That's just like whatever we need to do to get through this year. Um, but uh, the night, the good news is that rotate that that lineup is formidable. I like the the bullpen. Helsley Gallegos are great. Is is are you seeing anything from Hicks in terms of health this offseason? I think that could be a, a really good way to sort of shore up the the middle of that rotate that bullpen. Yeah, Jordan Hicks looks great. He told me he was working on really developing and landing that slider. He's a two-pitch mix guy, and you can get away with that when you throw 102 miles per hour, as Hicks does, with a 90-mile-per-hour slider. Um, so for Hicks, it's just less of us staying healthy at this point and more of can he find that consistency in landing the slider. Cardinals have a bunch of sneaky good relief arms in their system. Uh, it's a common problem they're having is which left-handed relievers are going to take. They threw four today in the first four innings of their spring training game against Houston. Um, just in an, an a, a attempt to, okay, here are four relievers, all with options against the, you know, in spring training, you play your best players for the first five or six innings and they all leave. So they were like, let's put our four left-handed relievers that are all in competition for one spot and see what happened. And they threw four perfect innings. So in the, a lot going on the, for those Cardinals. starters. So that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. And they all have yeah. options. I mean, having options at the back end of your bullpen is huge. You got to be able to, even with the new option rules, you got to be able to send them down you know, if they're overworked to give them rest and come back up. So that is uh, very nice for the Cardinals, but then we've got the Cubs and with the Cubs, you know, I think the big question is, uh, can they make this a three team race? Like, is there anything there for the Cubs that needs that, that could go right. That could, that could put them in this mix because it seems gettable. I mean, just by the projections, you've got the Cardinals with 88, and you've got the uh, Brewers with 84, and you've got the Cubs with 75. That's not uh, super exciting from a projection standpoint, but it does uh, make you wonder. So what do you think, Britt? Do you think that the Cubs, what, what would go right? What's the story that the Cubs can tell where this, these things coalesce and they make it a three-team race in this division? Gosh, I mean, all the old guys that they signed have to kind of turn back the clock. Uh, you know, if, if you're looking at the Cubs and um, I was at Cubs camp uh, about 10 days ago out in Arizona. And to me, what's so puzzling about them guys is they're in a very winnable division. And instead of kind of going all the way because they're the Chicago Cubs, they've got a huge fan base, a big market, uh, an iconic Wrigley field, um, you know, fans that are going to go pack that place, no matter what, that are just looking for a little hope. And they just kind of go halfway. Right. They just sign a whole bunch of old guys, like I said, who've got experience, who, you know, on paper, it looks OK. But to me, Dansby Swanson was a huge overpay. He's the fourth best shortstop in that class. If it wasn't such a big shortstop class, they wouldn't even have gotten a shortstop. Now, they really wanted Xander Bogarts, but just didn't want to pay him, which is really kind of the story of the Chicago Cubs the last couple of years. Right. Acting like a small market team. They go, they get Eric Hosmer this year. They Mancini, um, you know, I would say Suzuki is going to play a key role as well. He's dealing with, you know, the day I was there, it was, you know, he was dealing with the oblique injury. So that was a big deal. When will he be ready? Maybe opening day, probably not. Obliques are pesky. Um, something that's in that moderate range could take a little bit of time. Uh, but I think what the, the Cubs have done is kind of bare minimum here. They're going to probably, in my mind, be that third-place team. And I don't know, barring, like we said, a rash of injuries for the Cardinals. And then for the Brewers, do they also get hurt? Does everyone underperform? I think a lot of like dominoes have to fall for us to look and say, hey, 
here come the Cubs, you know? I mean, I think when you look at what they did, um, you know, take, for example, uh, Jameson Tyon, right? They add him. He's fine, but they don't have any frontline starters. They don't have the Cardinals lineup. They also don't have the frontline starters. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he's fine. He was the Yankees' fourth best pitcher, though. So now he's going to be the Cubs one, two. I just don't think that they they spent money and they acquired a lot of guys. There's a lot of new faces, but nothing in there really makes you say, that's it, that's it. I just don't think um, the sum of their parts is anything to write home about. Sorry, that's, sorry, Cubs fans. I feel like I just totally crushed them. Well, no, that's it, it's it. I think I agree with you, but it's kind of incredible. They spent two hundred and fifty million dollars. <laughs> yes, on what? It's like that person, like Katie. It's like that person who like goes and buys like this one sweater that like isn't even that nice, isn't designer, and you know it's five hundred dollars, and you're like, that's all you got. That- right, <laughs> right, and you're, you're like, you don't want to say it, but everyone's thinking, yeah, like serious, yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's not like a staple piece, man. You're going to wear that one time. You're not going to turn your whole wardrobe around. (laughs) No, it's just so weird. I don't know what they're doing. This is like the window where, like, the Reds are going to be good someday. They're up and coming. We'll talk about them later. The Pirates also should be better, right? They may finish ahead of the Reds this year. We're just like party time in Pittsburgh. Um, You know, they're on the up and up. Um, So this is like the window where, like, like we talked about the Brewers. They're good. There's holes. This is the time to compete, and the Cubs just continuously kind of like act like they're in it without going all the way in it. You're the Chicago Cubs. Go do what the Mets are doing. Go do what the Padres are doing. I don't understand. I I think there was a little bit of a financial uh, situation where I don't want to make excuses for them, but they they were switching over to their own TV station during COVID, and maybe maybe they had maybe they took it harder. I mean, that's their that's what they've sort of stated publicly. Is they took it harder than other people, but and they also and, got Wrigley Field as a landmark, which means they're going to save a ton of money, like in taxes and all these other. Oh, it's a Wrigley landmark, and then a landmark. When it is a when you have a landmark park like that, there's just a high floor for games. Like maybe there's just a sort of settling and saying, Hey, if we're a near 500 team, we're still going to get the same amount of fans. And if we spend more and get more people in here, because I've been to plenty of games when the Cubs aren't good and there's still everybody there, you know, drinking old style and having a good time. So, uh, you know, I, I, when I look at this, I hate to take too much about a player development, but like, I always kind of look at the young players. They're the team. They're the ones that make it, make them able to, spend more on free agents because they're cheaper when they're there and i see some some good players but i kind of see the same story where it's like okay you got nico horner you got ian happ you, you got justin Steele, you developed some guys but they haven't like sort of developed a superstar and and that would make things all different if nico horner was the you know one of the best they wouldn't even sign dancy swanson if he was if nico horner was one of the best shortstops in baseball you know what i mean um and that's that's what i'm looking for what is it that you think the cubs need katie like what is it that they're missing because they seem to like they went and got a pitcher they needed a pitcher they went and you know they they've gone and gotten all the pieces they've gotten but for some reason we don't like the fit all the way i think they need depth you know i i'm not as bullish on the moves i do think that there are some that that make sense like i think the cody bellinger uh, it's, it's a gamble, but it's fine. It's, it's risky. It's one year. So at the end of the day, are you blowing the bank over that? No, not really. He essentially signed for what the AAV. Um, I like Trey Mancini there. Uh, I like Jamison Tyon, but mm-hmm. again, I agree with, with Britt is like, it's, is it really enough? Because you spend all this money, Dansby Swanson, of course, that's something to get the fans excited about. 
I like that if I'm the Cubs fans and I see the front office is spending money and, and I'm like, oh, great. There's these are names I know. These are names that like <laughs> these are I'm excited. Eric Cosmer is a Cub, like because, you know, those names. And then you look at Eric Cosmer's production over the last three years and you're like, oh, yeah. OK. So for me, it's a little half and half. I think that I it's great that they spent money and give, gave their fans something to be excited about come opening day because I saw that roster at the end of 2022. It was not great. But that roster in 2022 is what their depth looks like. So they patched holes. Yes, there's still if something goes wrong for any of those couple of players, they're in the same position that they were in at the end of last season and they're out two hundred and fifty million dollars. Right. So I think for the Cubs, if they really want to bridge that gap between, you know, from third place, probably a considerable third place to maybe competing for a playoff spot, there just has to be better depth in the organization. Yeah, 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 and that depth yeah. is going to come from some like development a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's sort of what I was pointing at. You know, if I, if I'm going to tell the story of the Cubs being good this year, I'm going to try. Here it is: Christopher <laughs> Morel stops striking out so much. That's all he needs to do. He's he's an athlete who can play all over. They'll find a place for him. So he basically replaces Patrick Wisdom at, at third, who, who strikes out all the time. And Jeremiah Estrada becomes their closer or their setup guy along with Fulmer and Merriweather, and they have a really good bullpen. Hayden Wisniewski becomes their number two or number one even. I think he might have that upside. So it's, you know, I always point to the young guys and those young guys, Nico Horner could take another step forward with power. And if he does, he could really join that sort of three to four win all-star type player. There is that in him. Suzuki has that bounce back and finally does what we think he can do um those all those things can happen the problem when you start telling stories like that i think is yeah but then the, all the poop happens too you know it's like yeah yeah all while all yeah. that stuff is happening that you're discussing yeah swanson got hurt you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah Hosmer, yeah. mancini i just think the age of them too the age of the acquisitions kind of doesn't bother me but i wonder right like you guys were saying with the development and the depth um, it almost be better to let those young guys come up and supplement them with younger free agents so they can kind of the next three to five years be a, be a group, right? Um, it seems like they got guys who like are on the outs. But they, know, waited. Like they waited. They waited for play? a while. That's why I almost yeah. think it's a fair player development. They waited for a while, right? They were rebuilding. This is the this is the the result of the rebuilding. It's oh. so weird, but like they've got all <laughs> exactly like you know they've got I mean? all these young guys who are just like meh. Like, if you have these awesome young guys. I like Nico. I like Nico. I think he could be good. But if you really believe he's part of the future, like, sign him now. Get that extension now to keep him build around. And it's he's not quite. I mean, he's probably not quite as exciting as a lot of other players, a lot of other teams best prospect, you know, like maybe we'll see. It's a little bit more like I think he could take another step. So, yeah, uh, but this is the result of the rebuild. They started building. They started adding to their rebuild. But I, I just. I think it's a little bit of a lesson that not every team that does the tank rebuild like the Astros, they did. The Astros did that at one point. Um, and uh, the Orioles did it. And they seem to be coming out of it pretty nicely with with a lot of nice pieces. But not every team that does it. The Tigers did it. And we're looking at that rebuild and being like, where, where are your building blocks? Maybe yeah. Torkelson, maybe these guys, you know, maybe they're there. But you're not like, oh, we got... You know, we got Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, you know, like, you know, they don't they don't quite have that going for them. So 
Um, you know, not, not every not every tanking makes sense, I think, is, is one of the lessons here. Um, and then we'll have to see how it puts together. At least when you do try and you do put these guys together, you have credible major leaguers at every spot. And you even have some credible major leaguers that could take a step forward in, in Nico and Morel. And, um, you know, I do think that there is a story here where the Cubs uh, push. But I think it mostly has to do with maybe their starting pitching kind of coming back and being better than we think. You know, maybe Smiley just has 130, 40 innings in him of just great ball. Stroman stays healthy. I think Tyon has another level. He's he's added a sweeper. Everyone's adding a sweeper. It's super exciting. It's, it's spring training. Everyone's working on something. Everyone's you know? got a new pitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I was I was just talking to Clark Schmidt in Yankees camp, and he was like, "Yeah, Tyon's been texting me pictures of his sweeper." <laughs> well, yeah. I guess there's other yeah. worse things they could be texting each other. Yeah, um, no, you're right. right. You're going to need a lot of overperforming and then underperforming by the Brewers and the Cardinals. If yeah. You're going to really write the, the Cubs story, right? But they are wow. trending, I think, in the right direction. They're definitely in a much better spot than where they wherever they were at the All Star break in 2022. This is, yeah, that's fair. I just was expecting more from them watching some of these other teams. Like, oh, this is, they're going to spend money this, this winter. And then you kind of look and you're like, oh. They got the oldest shortstop uh, who kind of was coming off his career year. They got a 30-year-old corner uh, infielder uh, that has been 5% better than the league average the last two years in Mancini. So that's Super not nice guy. Yeah, but, but it's, yeah. it's not necessarily what the market is is, is trying to, you know, corner, yeah. you know. And then, yeah. uh, and then they got sort of a mid-rotation pitcher. It's just maybe money doesn't buy you what you're looking for. I was looking at the the Red Sox, not to go and go off script anymore, but I was looking at the Red Sox. They're spending two hundred thirty million dollars on that team this year. So you can't say that the Red Sox didn't spend money. It's just <laughs> it doesn't fit right. You know, um, we know how yeah. we feel about the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, we did that episode. I missed the AL East one, but uh, yeah, some puzzling. Maybe that's the story. Like the most puzzling spenders of the winter. I don't understand some of some of yeah. the plays. At least they'll be uh, a little bit inured from the whole Bally's thing. They got their own TV session. But we go on to the next team, uh, and now we enter the sort of uh, backwaters of the NL Central. Oh, gosh, that's that's rude. <laughs> Uh, way to be rude, you know, but uh, I don't know how else to describe the Pirates yeah. and Reds that we're headed into. But here we go with the Pirates. And I don't think that it makes a lot of sense to debate how, well, okay, what's the high watermark for their wins this year? Throw out a number, anybody. What do you think? Oh, could they win 70 games? Ouch. Yeah. They're, in a They're projected for seventy-two. Come on, let's let's push it north. Let's let's go, somebody. It's, it's, it's an option. It's an option. Can we give me 35, 75, 75, 75, 76, here's, the, here's, here's the problem. Here's, 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 here's my question. Here's my question, though. Does Brian Reynolds stay on the team because that impacts it? Could they have a nice first half and sell? Are they still in sell peace mode, or are they in? No, we're going to keep our players. Does it matter what O'Neill Cruz does to Brian Reynolds? Like if O'Neill well, Cruz, those are their two best players. It's but if O'Neill Cruz becomes Brian, it becomes Aaron Judge at shortstop, which there's like a, at least a ten to fifteen, maybe even twenty percent chance he does because he hits the ball as hard as Judge, right? So if you got O'Neill Cruz, you got Aaron Judge at shortstop. Does Brian Reynolds stay? I does think he, he stays if they play pay it him. out. 
Yeah, that's how that's how jobs work. Didn't he say he was open to to an extension with the pirates if they paid him the money? So yes, to me, it's it's a little less indicative of you know what are the other pieces going to do because the pirates do have some nice up and coming pieces. Like it's not easy to be a pirates fan right now, but at least you can like look out to the horizon and see like okay, it's coming. Um, But for keeping Brian Reynolds, if they would like to build around him, they're obviously going to have to offer him an extension. I know, but he's, he's yeah. I mean, he's under team control for the 2026, so. But wasn't you know, he, like, really put off by what they did offer him? He in, was. In and, right? and, this is, and the reason we know these things yeah. is we know we know he's unhappy because we know these things, right? <laughs> like, yes. he wouldn't have been leaked to the press if he was happy. So he's unhappy, and, and we know this, and that must mean something, so. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, but that's why I think, like, maybe if, like, you're like, oh, my God, I could play next to that guy, maybe I'll just shut up and play till free agency. Mm, I think you need to get paid. And I agree with Katie. I think the future is bright for them. The issue is though, is the future has been bright for Pittsburgh many, many times before it hasn't panned out. Right. It seems like every good player in baseball was at one time a Pittsburgh pirate. Well, Those the good news for really... the pirates, right? Well, I like, feel that as being based good. in Oakland, near Oakland. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a feeder team. But they, I think they also have like five of the top 100 prospects right now, too. In addition to like the guys who are already up, there's like another wave coming. Um, so I they're going to be like watchable. It's just... I see, yeah, I think they're getting closer and closer. I mean, I, I see a, a form. I, I see something forming that has the potential to be better than like what we're talking about with the Cubs, right. In terms of young players yeah. that are good. And, you know, I like Brian Hayes a lot. He hits the ball hard. He just hasn't been able to lift it. You know, that we've heard that from other players, but it still can be with that defensive profile that he has. It can still be really good. That's gotta be at least as good as Nico Horner, if not a little bit better. O'Neill Cruz is the, has the most upside of any of the two teams between the, yes. the, the pirates and the, and the Cubs. And uh, then you've got a solid everyday guy and Brian Reynolds is under team contract for a while. And I think Mitch Keller is stepping a little bit into the limelight here. He's now got six pitches, averages 96 miles an hour. Yeah, he doesn't have great command, but he does have the pieces to maybe be an ace. And behind him, you've got Roenzi Contreras and Luis Ortiz, two really exciting young players. Behind him, you got Michael Burrows, who's uh, one of the better pitching prospects in, in Major League Baseball. So I, I agree with you that there's like this sort of this, there's a wave cresting now and there's a little bit of a wave uh, coming behind it. Andy Rodriguez, the guy that just sent down is a really exciting uh, uh, prospect at, at, as a catcher. And it's so nice to have, you know, a strong catcher as your prospect, because if you can get offense for that position and it's cheap and he's a really good game caller and everything sort of brings everything together. And then some people think their best prospect is Termar Johnson. Termar Johnson? Yeah, that's it. Termar Johnson, who's a, you know, there's a little bit divisive because he's not a big guy. He's kind of a little guy. He's kind of second baseman. People are like, is there power there? How can that be your best prospect? I think Andy Rodriguez is their best prospect. So we've got all these these players together. So if we're not, if I'm not going to auction you guys to anything higher than 76 uh, wins this year, when do they when do they cross over into into over 500 when like when is their eta when is when do you think they kind of put this together i think it also depends on the teams in their division we've talked about it this nl central is not competitive it's like the cardinals and brewers every single year the cardinals have a big problem on their hands in that they only have one pitcher signed after 2023 currently and that's yeah. steven matz you can't roll out steven matz every single day so 
You can't even do it every five days. I'm sorry. You couldn't. You couldn't. <laughs> uh, it depends, right? We, we're going to get to the Reds. The Reds are rising up, too. I mean, it's going to be yeah. a little bit for them. But what are the Brewers going to look like in 2025? What are the Cubs going to look like? The Cardinals have never really historically tanked, but I think you're seeing the peak Cardinals right now. So I would guess a good estimate of contention for the Pirates when you look at their upcoming minor league talent, their prospect, their farm system. I would say end of 2024, early 2025, but that window can be extended or accelerated based on their competition in the division. Yeah. And this is going to come down to ownership too, because these teams can build from within and build from within and build from within. You still need those one or two pieces on the free agent market. And, you know, is Pittsburgh going to go out and do that? Now we didn't mention that they got Andrew McCutcheon back, which is a big fan favorite. So I don't know if they're trying to, They'll get butts in the seats, sell more tickets with someone like that. But, you know, I do think they're going to need to be active in free agency at some point in time. I mean, are they going to go on this crazy spending spree? Probably not based on what we know historically from that ownership group. But you still have to go out and supplement, right? You can grow all these prospects. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. They did, though. G-Man Choi, Carlos Santana. No, I know. I'm being a little bit facetious. Okay. okay. I do I do like your point about Mitch Keller because I think if you look at his body of work last year, you're like, God, oh, this guy really struggled. But honestly, he really turned it around. He had a pretty miserable start to the season. But if you look like more closely at those numbers and parceled out, he actually finished really strong. So I think that's really encouraging for them. I I think they're on the up and up. It wouldn't shock me if they make the postseason before the Cubs do, because I kind of think they're like cresting up. And if they do add the right pieces. Maybe they stumble in, like Katie said, maybe they're a wild card team with the extra postseason teams by next year, right? It wouldn't be that crazy. I think betting on the youth, as long as their development is okay, that's going to be the huge part of these rebuilds, whether they work or don't work, is are these guys going to be developed at the big league level? Are they going to get better? Or are they just going to be these flashy prospects that they trade away because they aren't they aren't able to kind of do anything with them, right? That's going to be, to me, the big test with the Pirates, but I, I agree with Katie on the timeline. I think it could come sooner rather than later. And in some aspects, I think they're better off than some other teams in the division like Chicago. Yeah, I think I think it's tough to, to, to figure it all out. I think the one thing that I like about those, and we were kind of joking. I was just joking with you. I just, you know, like. I was the, like, the, what did I miss when I was on maternity leave? <laughs> no, but but what I like about them is, that, you know, there's lefties that hit into the shift, Troy and Santana. You know, so there's a little minor bet there that they'll be better without the shift rules. Um, and, you know, Kutch, from all accounts, decided to take the same deal that he could have gotten somewhere with more of a contender to come home. Uh, so that's a bit of a homecoming. But none of those guys are going to stand in the way of anybody for long if somebody steps up. You know what I mean? Um, they didn't, you know, they didn't hand $177 million dollars to a shortstop and then have to sort of figure out where he goes. Like what if they decide next year that Dansby Swanson is not the shortstop and they're not sure Nico Horner is the shortstop either. Do they have to go sign another shortstop? You know what I mean? Like they, there's like, there's a little bit more, the Cubs, what the Cubs did blocks a little bit more than what the pirates did, which is the pirates are still ready for business. If Jack Suwinski comes up and is great, then they can find room for him. You know, Andrew McCutcheon's not going to stop him. Maybe Kutch goes to DH and they release Santana. 
I mean, that's on the table, right? All these guys are on one-year deals. G-Man Choi was, you know, they can, is, they can, it's the guy they can release, or the the phantom DL is always there for guys at the at the end of their careers. So, you know, I think that you know this this team is just sort of waiting for maybe one or two more pieces. And I th- I think when I just look at this team, it's all on Cruz, and I and I know that no team is one player, but when you've got someone with this much upside, if he's if he's just okay, it just changes the whole trajectory of the team. I think that's so. I think if there's if there's one person in baseball that I'm watching this year that I think could change the trajectory of an entire franchise, am I being crazy? Am I like going over the top on this? This sounds to me a little bit like the sort of hot takes that you hear on the radio and stuff. Yeah, you, yeah you're, you're, you're being you're, a little crazy because there's this guy named Mike Trout who plays in. Oh God, that you just cut me, cut me in pieces. <laughs> one name. That's a good point. Who has and, and also he's joined by this other pretty good player who's named right. Shohei Otani. True. <laughs> <laughs> well, which is why we this talk about in player development on our on yeah. our show, right? <laughs> you know, like it, it, it's not like hey, let's sign LeBron. This isn't the NBA, right? This isn't yeah. the NFL where it's like we have a quarterback, we have a chance. Yeah, I, so I agree actually... with you that he's an exciting player, but I don't. You might be a little strong with him changing the trajectory of the entire. Thing. Because if Trout and Otani can't get the Angels to the playoffs, in any of your sort of late August half asleep games, uh, Katie, did you <laughs> did you catch any uh, did you catch any younger uh, 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 Pirates that you were excited about other than O'Neill Cruz? No, and oh. <laughs> <laughs> look, in all fairness, the last time I saw the Pirates, the Cardinals played them six straight times, three in St. Louis, three in Pittsburgh to end the season. The Cardinals had already clinched, and it was it was a very much mail-it-in week for both mm. teams. So I don't think it's necessarily fair to judge any of the talent there from what I saw at the last week. Um, but I will go back to my previous point that I do think they're on the rise. They have a ton of talent. O'Neill Cruz is – He's he's really impressed me, and I mean, I see him a lot. Not I won't see him as much this season with the division right, or the schedule changing, but he's a he's someone that if I see batting, and I'm at sports bar or something, and he's up to the plate, I'm like, stop, let's watch this. So mm-hmm. I would still have that going for him, um, and also who doesn't like a good feel good story? Andrew McCutcheon going back to where it all started. That was honestly, even though it's not going to change anything in the standings, probably my favorite signing of the off season. <laughs> yeah and he's been uh it's been i was in bradenton for a little bit and uh they they uh it was loud you know they love him and it's and in fact did you see uh they caused him a a, a batter's infraction uh because they were they were basically doing a standing ovation and he was kind of like yeah 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 and then the umpire the umpire and the the catcher were standing up and didn't look ready either but the umpire's like ball one you didn't get oh my gosh there. The Cardinals are in trouble. I just put two and two together with all those standing ovations they get. They're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you got to yeah. be careful. And it, and the catcher can deke you out. You know, the, the catcher can be like, it doesn't have to be in a stance. And if the umpire is enjoying, looks like he's enjoying it, he's counting. He's looking at the clock. So <laughs> that is something to think about. 
Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. But now we get to the the last team in our uh, in our division, I don't know if they're the last team in our hearts, but the Cincinnati Reds are probably going to be last when it when we sum up the wins this year. Um, I wonder. I think that uh, let's start with a timeline. We had a timeline for the Pirates, and we thought it might be in the next year or two. Uh, what do you guys? What do you think is the timeline here, Britt, for the Reds? How how long till the the, the Reds are more relevant? I think they're like a, maybe a year behind the pirates. I think you look at um, some of that young pitching, Hunter green, uh, Ashcroft uh, is a Graham, right? Graham Ashcroft. And then uh, um, Nick, Nick Nodolo. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's going to be, you know, you've made the joke before. And then I said, that's not right. But these three guys are going to be the centerpiece of Cincinnati starting pitching, right? If these guys can develop into what they think, the Reds are going to be good maybe as soon as 2025. I think when you're you're banking on a young starting pitching rotation, there's so many question marks. I mean, last spring, I went and saw the Tigers, and they were banking on young, starting, unproven starting pitching for the most part. And obviously, it was a catastrophe. And you fell so for it a little bit. I totally did. I wrote this great story. <laughs> I think everyone on this podcast should know that I'm wrong a lot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe the Cubs will win the World oh, Series. That's baseball. What, that's baseball. Anybody who claims they're not wrong a lot in baseball, I'm. Yeah. But I did. I totally fell for it. I mean, I think Hinch is a great manager. And I thought, you know, you looked at how the Tigers had turned it around in the second half of the previous season. They had all the makings, a couple of veterans, they had all the makings of this like turnaround team, right? But the problem is, and, you know, I saw this in Baltimore too, they tried to kind of hitch their cart to young starting pitching and they all failed. Um, you know, they, they had this group of Jake Arrieta and, you know, Brad Ferguson and Brian Mattis oh, wow. and Zach Britton. And, you know, none of these guys, Chris Tillman, Chris Tillman had a couple good years. Zach Britton, they moved to the bullpen and he obviously uh, became a terrific reliever. You know, Jake Arrieta had to go to Chicago to have, you know, really maximize his talent to win the Cy Young and all of that. But, you know, there is an inherent danger in, having your rebuild live and die off the young starting pitching. And it makes it a little bit more difficult, I think, to kind of say this team is going to be good then. You know, I think they're going to take their lumps. There's going to be times when you're really like, is this headed in the right direction? But for the Reds, it has to be because there's no 
there was nowhere else to go. I mean, they bottomed out. They cleared payroll. They got rid of basically everyone not named Joey Votto. And who, by the way, thinks that aliens are going to over help the Reds win the World Series. Did you guys see that? So what do we know? We should just that was a bold that prediction. That made uh, me – yeah, his, his bold <laughs> prediction was that uh, – was that somehow aliens made it? Oh, aliens were friendly, and we had to interact with them, but there was yes. no baseball in between. And the ba- and the Reds won like a six week uh, season <laughs> and, and steamrolled through the playoffs. Yeah. So and won the a, World Series. A Joy Votto knows how much needs to go wrong in the world for the Reds to make the playoffs this year. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually like more likely than than making the playoffs, right? right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, they're just—they're just far behind. I mean, I mean, what were they last year? How? What did they start off? Oh, and what? Or like one and what? That first month of the season, they won like three games in April. Yeah, it was bad enough where I actually got pulled off a trip to Cincinnati because I was told we need to save our money for later in the season. And I was there. I was like, all right, we're already mailing it in on a couple teams right now. It's (laughs) April. All right, amazing. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes you know, in April, Uh, I—I think uh, in March. Yeah, I think Jonathan India will will bounce back. I think Will Myers was a decent acquisition. Um, but I also think that if those two things happen, they might just be as likely to be traded as to stay yes. in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think if Joey Votto uh, shows uh, something coming back from labrum surgery at 39, which is tough, um, you know, he's in a, a walk year. I don't know. I, I wonder, do you think that Joey Votto would accept a trade? to a contender uh, at this point of his career as having always been a Cincinnati Red? Well, when was the last time that he really was in contention? Was it 2012? That was over a decade ago. Two years ago, they almost made the playoffs, and it feels like a lifetime ago. Oh, you're right. It was only two years ago. It feels like 10. That's crazy. I know. Yeah, that's when they spent a little bit really quickly. They, They got Mike Moustakis. That was the COVID right. year. Are you talking about the COVID year? I think so, yeah. Was it a 2020? Yeah. Uh, I think that was the year where they almost made the playoffs. Or was it 19? In 2020, they were th- third and lost, and they, they made the playoffs. They lost but that. They had a very they they had had, big expanded playoffs, right? Yeah, they had the big yeah. expanded playoffs, and they made it. And they had uh, Trevor, Trevor Bauer won the, the Cy Young. And they lost yeah. to the Braves 2-0 in the NL wild card. Because uh, yeah. were the it Reds was a very... that ever scored a run? Oh. Yeah, I think, I think they were the team right. that didn't score a run in the postseason. I think she's right. They got steamrolled. And that's that's not great. They also made the postseason by going 31 and 29, which is I think why Joey Votto said if we have a six-week season, we have a chance. Mm. But uh, that that was interesting because I think when you look at I think that's when when we were talking about the pirates and how we add, you guys were pointing this up like how how do they add to it that's it's it's super important because the Reds did have some pieces and they had some pieces and then they added to it and they just added the wrong pieces it seems you know yeah and so yeah, I, mean, I don't know maybe there's a maybe there's a lesson there for him I I I kind of think that Joey Bottom might do it he's kind of a YOLO guy. That's, a, that's what I, the impression I get from Joey him. Votto, and, yeah, that's, that's a good description. Big YOLO guy for Joey Votto. Yeah, so if yeah. like, if he's like, this will be fun and crazy. And uh, the Reds are like, we'll save a million dollars. Then 
uh, I think it happens. But it, he has to show something first because it's there's not a lot of demand for first base DH types at 39. So he has to come back off of a, a pretty tough injury to the shoulder and show something. But, you know, and India could show something and get traded. Myers could show something. I really like Ellie De La Cruz. Um, I don't know how much you guys know about Ellie De La Cruz, Noel V. Marte, uh, and some of their guys that are coming up. But, uh, you know, is there a position player? What do you know? What do you generally think of, you know, prospects like Ellie De La Cruz that are like huge power, but lots of strikeouts and lots of walks? I don't know if Nolan Gorman is a little bit along those lines where it's like, you know, this could go either way. Maybe yeah. even O'Neill Cruz is a little bit like that, where it's like this huge upside, but it may not happen. Um, you know, what, what does that make you think of when you, when you look at LA Cruz and the Reds? I mean, I think that's kind of just the trend in, in baseball development, especially for power, right? We see that a lot. Oh, this guy can mash the ball. He's going to give us 30 home runs. He's also going to strike out a third of the time. We're going to take it. Um, I know that baseball is tr- somewhat, depending on the organization, shifting away from the two true outcome approach, but a lot of organizations are not, and you're going to see a lot of value, especially, with that young promising power, that's just too alluring and too exciting for a lot of farm systems to be like, nope, we're going to go back to contact rates. We're going to go back to hitting for average. You just, you don't see that a lot. So it's less of a red flag for me now. Uh, I think power plays a significant amount in the, uh, in baseball. I mean, with Gorman himself, that's a guy who could probably hit about 25 to 30 home runs from the left side. And he's going to strike out a lot, but it got to a point where uh, this is the biggest danger with power prospects that power has to come. You can't like, it it sounds obvious, but you can't just have that high strikeout rate and eventually attribute it to always going to figure himself out. The thing with guys with promised power and high strikeout rates is if you don't deliver on that promised power, your strikeout rate is going, it's it's going to be borderline useless to have you in the the lineup. So that's my only concern. When I see power prospects, we've seen a ton pan out and also as hitters mature, they become a little bit more well-rounded, but for these young guys, it's a little risky for me to focus just on power because the strikeout rate as they adapt to the big league level is almost certainly going to go high, go higher. Yeah, I agree. I mean, keep in mind, we've also seen bust because there's no bigger jump in sports than AAA to the big leagues, right? So I think it comes down to a couple things. The guy, the guy has to be willing to adjust. Now look at Aaron Judge's swing, like five years ago, right? Like Aaron Judge has become like this perfect hitter because he's not just a power hitter. He's also a guy that hits for average. He's also a guy that gets on base. Um, Does that become something that guys emulate? Does the game start to shift where we're seeing guys, you know, who have that power, but have a little bit uh, of the ability to do other things, especially now that they're getting rid of the shift. I think that's something to keep in mind. But when you talk to like talent evaluators and things like that, Katie's right. I mean, it comes down to, is that swing going to be able to translate to the high velocity at the big leagues where everyone coming out of that bullpen is throwing upper nineties now, right? Like I can't tell you how many guys come up from triple a and they're like, you know, that is a foul tip in the minor leagues. It strikes three up here. I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. the jump is huge and it's such a tiny little margin for error. Once they're in the big leagues, they are facing such better pitching every single day than they are at the AAA level. So it really comes down to being able to make those adjustments because very quickly, any hole, any flaw gets exposed. Yeah, that's true. All right. One last question for y'all. This is a thought exercise. They have a player, Kristen Encarnacion Strand right now, pretty good prospect that they got from the twins in the Tyler Malley trade, I believe. 
Kristen Encarnacion Strand does uh, make good contact, or at least he is this spring. And uh, I think he leads uh, the Cactus, or not the Cactus. Yes, the Cactus? Yes, yes Cactus. cactus. He leads the Cactus mm-hmm. League in hits. Uh, he is hitting the ball. He's hitting the ball for power. He's making contact. He looks like the future. He's played 208 plate appearances at AA uh, last year. But he's 23 and by all rights, looks like he is ready to play in the big leagues. You've got some other pieces, Spencer Steer, Kyle you know, Newman, Jonathan India. Maybe you're telling the story to ownership that Lodolo Green and Ashcraft are going to take that step forward. You put Luke Weaver and Luke, Luis Sessa behind them, so you have credible veterans there. The bullpen's coming together. This could be the year. Do you go break camp with Christian Encarnacion Strand as your everyday third baseman or first baseman? Um, and and start the clock on somebody like that? Or do you sort of keep your cards in your pocket for a little while longer if you're the Reds? Uh, let's start with you, Katie. I'm, I'm no fan of service time manipulation by any means, but if you're going to start the clock on a prospect, to me, it should come when your team is in contention. And I just call me crazy. I don't see that for the Reds. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, subtle hint. Um, but... Call me crazy, you guys. I just don't see that. I don't see the Reds in contention this year. Um, Is there an argument to be made, Britt, that uh, you just have to start winning sometime? You just have to start trying sometime and you don't know when that time's going to be? I don't know. Sure. I mean, that's a great argument for us to have. But I think if you're in the front office and you have to defend your decisions and you're also planning on being part of the Reds front office besides this year, right? Um, Then no, you can't. I agree with Katie. You have to say, all right, we've got to, we've, we've, rebuild we're looking at this and like that's the thing front offices look at these in like three to five year increments so Mm -hmm. there's really no way to defend being like yeah let's start that clock now so that in three years we really are going to have to do you know what i mean like it has the ripple effect on the whole plan that the front office has laid out so i don't see that happening at all um because like katie said i don't they're not a fringy if they were like the cubs and you're like well it could help them get over the top Maybe, but they're just not in that position at all. So I don't see them, even though they've kind of changed with the new CBA, you know, the way we look at service time manipulation, I don't see the upside here for Cincinnati at all. Okay. Well, how about this? Uh, There is a draft pick associated with a player that uh, receives sufficient awards consideration. They could get a draft pick. If he's yeah, but you're banking on a lot of things to go right. Yeah, that's so subjective. You're banking on baseball writers to vote for your guy, for your that's guy to have weird. that kind of a year. Don't trust don't baseball like writers. What are we don't doing? trust baseball writers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think we can end on that note. Don't trust <laughs> a writer. Uh, and uh, thanks so much to Britt and Katie for this episode. Thank you for listening. Please, Derek, come back. Uh, thanks so much. <laughs> and uh, as, as I have to say at some point, you've always got the ring right here. <laughs>